0: Bibles, if if you will, this evening, and turn to Revelation chapter 12 once more, please. Revelation chapter 12, and then we're going to, we're not going to do Bible drills tonight, but boy, we're going to turn to a lot of places, so keep those those, uh, thumbs licked and ready to roll, all right? A lot of places we're going to go this evening. And Revelation chapter number 12, and so I'm going to be honest with you. In in some ways, I don't even want to. I, I don't even want to be on this subject tonight. Um, but I think it's I think it's important that we know what we believe about this. And um, I thought we'd be here. I thought we'd stay here one week. That's really what I thought we'd do. Now I'm not so sure we're going to finish tonight. And so we we'll just we'll just uh, play it by ear to see what the Lord does tonight. And. Uh, And I'll tell you why it's so important here in just a moment. Romans chapter, I'm sorry, Revelation, Revelation chapter 12. And when you find your place, won't we give you one last opportunity to stretch your legs and and I'll try not to be lengthy (coughs) tonight. Revelation chapter 12 and (coughs) let's start in verse 1. And the Bible says in Revelation 12 verse 1, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth, and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And we believe that the woman is Israel and we, we, we believe beyond a shadow of doubt that the dragon here uh, and that word dragon, one of the reasons the word dragon is used because it typifies the viciousness of this Bible character that the Bible is talking about here. And we believe that dragon is talking about Satan. Verse five, the Bible says, And she, the woman, brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. Well, we know that's talking about. That's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And her child was caught up unto God, and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she at the place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand and two hundred and threescore days. And there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought in his angels, and prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Now we'll stop there tonight. You may be seated. And I want to talk to you once again tonight. Of course, we're, we're doing a series on understanding our statement of faith. And if we're going to really understand our statement of faith, sometimes we're just not going to be able to do it in, in 30 minutes. And it may, it may take just a little bit more than that. And so, you know, thankfully, we're not in a hurry. We're just going to teach the Bible until Jesus comes. And, uh, and so, I don't know when he's coming, so we'll just keep teaching the Bible until he comes, amen? And so, we're going to, we're going to take a little more time to talk about this I was speaking with Brother Rodney earlier today, and he said, you, "Are you ready to roll?" And I said, "Yeah, Brother Rodney, I believe I am." This message, and I and I, I, I'm not exaggerating. This message has changed three times, three times. And and the reason that it has changed three times is because I don't want to give you speculation. I want to give you what the Word of God says, Amen. and uh, and and so I believe that's what I'm going to do tonight. And now we. We may talk about some things that we can speculate on, and some things that we can agree to disagree on, and uh, and I'm not going to go near as deep as I had planned on going tonight. And if and, and if after this you've still got questions, come to me, and I'll tell you some of my speculations. All right, but I can't back up all the speculations by the word. I believe I can back most of them up, and uh, and. Although we may not get into those speculations tonight, I will tell you this, boy, it sure makes for a juicy Bible study. I'll tell you that. The only problem is I can't back it all up with Scripture, okay? And, and, but that's what I want to do tonight. Anytime I'm standing behind this pulpit, I want to make sure I can back up by the Word of God what I'm teaching. And I believe that's important. I believe it's important for you too. So let's talk about the doctrine of Satan tonight. Let's pray quickly and jump right into the Bible study, and I hope it'll be a help to you. Father, we love you. And thank you so much for the privilege to be back at Calvary Baptist Church again tonight. And Lord, I, I pray, I do pray this again, that you would hide us behind the cross. Father, that you would please protect us. Father, we're, we're, we're treading uh, very carefully, very carefully, very, very prayerfully here. Lord, um, we understand we need your protection right here. We need your touch. We need your power, your Holy Spirit power. And so, Father, as has already been thanked, uh, been mentioned during the, the Thanksgiving time, we're very thankful for the blood of Jesus. And Father, I pray that you would hide us under that blood, protect us and shelter us by your mighty hand, by your almighty power. And I pray that you'll bless our discussion. And God, I pray it will honor Christ and glorify Christ. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that it would edify the church and build up the church. And Lord, If there might be any here tonight or any watching by way of live stream who do not know for sure that they're born again and covered by that blood, I pray that this message tonight would convince them that they better get in while there's time. And so help us, direct us, give us power. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake. Amen. Well, if you were to go to our website tonight at uh, calvarybcug.com, you'd find on there what we believe. You'd find our statement of faith. And in that statement of faith, there is a clause there that talks about the doctrine of Satan, that uh, what we believe specifically. In fact, I read this for you last week, uh, and this will be pretty much all new tonight. We're not gonna really review a lot this evening, but I do wanna read what our statement of faith says concerning the doctrine of Satan. It says, We believe in the reality of the person of Satan and that he and the fallen angels wage a spiritual warfare against the plan and purposes of God. And then we have a number of references that you'll see that on our statement of faith. I won't take the time to even give you all those tonight. We believe that Satan is a created angelic being who rebelled and who tempted man to join him in rebellion against God. Again, a number of references to support that statement. We believe his power is supernatural. Yet limited, that's so important right there. We believe his power is supernatural, yet limited, and that he cannot act without the permission of God. Uh, again, if you if you look at our statement of faith, you'll find uh, references. After that, Satan's eternal end is everlasting torment in the lake of fire, and so God is uh, omniscient. That means He's all knowing. Uh, God is. Uh, I'm uh, um, um, omnipresent, which means he's everywhere all at one time. Satan is not, by the way. Uh, and God is omnipotent, which means he is all-powerful. Satan is not. God is also everlasting and eternal. Uh, and I guess in, in some ways you could say Satan is. Uh, Satan will be eternally tormented. He'll be eternally banished to hell one of these days. So you say, Pastor, why in the world are we taking not only one week, but why are we taking two weeks to talk about something that really is not even that pleasant to talk about? Well, as we we said this last week, we said that it's important for us to understand what we believe about the devil because there are many who reject the claim that the devil even exists. But there's another reason that it's important for us to understand the doctrine of Satan, and that's this, because Satan is our arch nemesis. He is our enemy. He is our adversary. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walketh as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Friend, I want you to understand something tonight, that you and I have an enemy. We have an enemy. I promise you, I'm not your enemy tonight. I love you. And I want to help you. I'm going to, I'm going to live with you forever in heaven. And so I want to, listen, we want to cultivate good friendships and good bonds and fellowship while we're living here uh, on this earth. And, and I want to tell you something else. There's nobody in this church that's your enemy. You need to go ahead and learn how to forgive and forget and, and, uh, and endeavor to keep the peace because you're going to live together with these people that you call children of God. You're going to live with them forever in heaven. And so you need to learn how to love people now and forgive and, and go forward. But we have an enemy. We have an enemy. And the enemy is the devil. And uh, and he wants to literally destroy your life. That's why it's very important that we know what we believe about the devil. And it's also important that we study the word of God so we know how he works. And we know the wiles of the devil. How many history buffs do we have in here tonight? History buffs, history buffs, yeah. We got a few. And uh, I'm, I'm a history buff. I love history, love to read history, and uh, especially back during, uh, during World War II. And I don't know, man, how many of you have ever heard of something called Operation Paperclip? Uh, but was reading up on that this week, and I thought, well, you know what, that sort of goes along with, with what I'm teaching on tonight, Operation Paperclip. And it was, of course, back during the time of World War II, and they said that America was desperate. That I think that's the word they used. America uh, America was desperate to gain Nazi secrets, Uh, and so one of the things that they did, even before the war and after the war, is this. And you maybe you knew about this, and maybe you didn't. But following World War II, when the war ended, America offered refuge and asylum to many of the German scientists. Those who actually worked for Hitler, those who were a part of the Nazi regime. Now, you know, here again, I'm sure that many of those men did that because they were forced to and uh, they were threatened you know, with their families and things like that, but at any rate, uh, Operation Paperclip was this, that after the war, they tried to gather as many of those German scientists as they could and they brought them to America and gave them asylum. They not only gave them asylum, but they completely changed their identities. And they gave them places to live and changed their names uh, so people wouldn't recognize them. And they did that because they felt like that it was in the in the, the greater interest of America to figure out the secrets and the weapons that Nazi Germany had come up with. And so they, basically they wanted to know how the enemy was gonna work. Now, that's why we're here tonight. And that's why we're teaching on what we're teaching on tonight. Why do we take two weeks at least to teach on the doctrine of Satan? Because you have an enemy. And that enemy wants to destroy you. That enemy doesn't play. That enemy cares nothing. He cares nothing about you being blessed or having fun. Somebody says, well, you know what? I just want to have fun. The devil just wants us to have fun. Friend, the devil doesn't care one whit about you having fun or about you living the high life. Satan wants to destroy you. And because of that, it's important that we understand everything that we can understand about the doctrine of Satan. Now, let's take just a moment, if we could, and let's review what we learned uh, last week. Wednesday night, we said number one that Satan is a created angelic being, and I, I want to use that word angelic. I'm going to use that a little loosely tonight. Uh, that word angelic can mean divine, and so uh, we'll sort of use it in that in that respect tonight. Satan is a created angelic being. We said this; he it appears that he was created beautifully. And he he was, he was a beautiful, beautiful creature. If you were to see Satan tonight, he would not be hideous, he would not be scary necessarily. He is a beautiful, beautifully created creature. We said also that he was created musically uh, and that Satan understands music and knows how to use music. And that because of that, we ought to be very, very careful about the music that we're associated with and the music that we listen to. But then we said this, and I'm gonna stop here just for a moment tonight. We said it is sure that he was created supernaturally. Now take your Bibles again tonight if you will and turn over to the book of Ezekiel chapter number 28. Ezekiel 28 and look at verse number 14. And we learned this last week and I had never taught this uh, in the 31 years that I've been here at Calvary Baptist Church. Uh, And I'm gonna be honest, this was sort of something new, the Lord had shown me, but Ezekiel chapter 28, and we're gonna look at verse number 14. For many, many years I heard this teaching that Satan is an archangel, and that there are uh, several archangels, Michael being one of the archangels, and that Satan is also an archangel. There's a big problem with that, and the problem is this, there's nowhere in scripture to support that. There's nowhere in scripture that tells us that Satan was an archangel, but it does tell us what Satan is. Uh, In Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 14, the Bible says about him in verse 14, thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. And the Lord said, and I have set thee so. Now, I'm gonna be honest. I'm not exactly sure what all's teaching right there, but it almost sounds like that Satan was put in a very specific and a definite and almost a unique position there. The Lord said that you're the covering cherub, you're the cherub that covereth. And then he said, I have set thee so. So I'm not exactly sure if there's any other cherub that has the power that Satan has. But Satan was created as a cherub. And we said this last week that a cherub or cherubim, uh, which is plural, that means more than one, uh, cherubim are portrayed as incredibly, incredibly powerful creatures. In fact, I believe this. I believe that cherubim are more powerful than angels are. And so, really, technically, again, no, we're not going to, you know, all of these things, we're not going to fall out with anybody or debate, really debate about it. But, but I, I believe this. I believe that Satan, as a cherub, has more power than an angel. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. When you start thinking about that, it really explains several things. If you think about it in this respect. Number one, it explains why cherubim were placed at the Garden of Eden when man was expelled. Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn back to the book of Genesis and look at Genesis chapter 3, verse number 24. Now again, most of you, in fact, all of you remember this story. I'm sure uh, Adam and Eve have fallen into sin, and God pronounces a curse, and he expels them from the Garden of Eden, and now they're going to have to live by the sweat of their face, and uh, now the, the earth is going to bring forth thorns and thistles and briars and, and all these types, uh, type of things. Now, I'm not sure about this, but... Uh, If Satan was expelled from the Garden of Eden as well, then it makes perfect sense on why the Lord placed cherubims there and not angels. Uh, Genesis chapter three, verse 24, the Bible says, so he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims. Boy, plural, not just one, but several. Cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So it, I'm, again, this is just interesting, just interesting Bible study. Just get, you, get your wheels turning here. That the Lord did not put angels there, he put cherubim there. Uh, and that would be more than likely because cherubim are more powerful than angels. And so if God expelled Satan from the Garden of Eden as he did man, then that would explain why God put cherubim there to keep Satan away. Number two, it explains something else. It explains why Michael, the archangel, who was incredibly powerful, it explains why Michael, the archangel, would not bring an accusation against Satan. Now, let's look at several places tonight. Take your Bibles and you said, preach, I don't even know what you're talking about. I'll show you here in just a moment. Take your Bibles, turn to 2 Peter chapter number two. 2 Peter chapter number two. Let me give you a little foundation here and then we'll go to the book of Jude here in just a moment. Um, Interesting thing about angels. You know, man can learn from angels. Angels understand their place. And one of the things that we learn in 2 Peter chapter 2 is that angels refuse to speak evil of what the Bible calls dignities. Look at it, if you will, in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse number 10. Now, the Bible's talking about false prophets and then it intertwines this with angels, fallen angels. But 2 Peter 2, verse 10, the Bible says, but chiefly them that walk after the flesh and the lust of uncleanness and despise government, presumptuous are they, self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. That's talking about false prophets. They're not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Verse 11, whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, Bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. In other words, angels know their place. And angels will not bring a railing accusation. They won't speak evil of a dignity or a dignitary, what we would call a dignitary. Those that, uh, those that have authority and those that have power, angels won't speak against them. I know some preachers who could learn from that lesson right there. Well, turn over to the book of Jude, just a few pages over to the book of Jude. Turn to the right. And and right before we get to the book of Revelation, you'll find the little book, Jude, just one chapter. But we see a great truth here. Jude, chapter one, there's only one. (laughs) But look at Jude, chapter one, look at verse number six. And here again, the Bible's talking about angels. Angels, verse six. And the angels which kept not their first estate but left their own habitation, he hath preserved in everlasting chains under darkness, under the judgment of the great day. Verse seven. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah, and the cities about them, in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Verse eight. Likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Now look at verse nine. Yet. Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, look at this last line, durst not bring against him, against the devil, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuked thee. Now, you know what I believe? I believe that Satan is a cherubim, and Satan has amazing supernatural power. And I really believe this. I believe in the hierarchy of the angelic realm. I believe that cherubim are probably the top of the top. And our Bible says that Michael, although Michael is definitely, Scripture tells us that Michael is definitely an archangel, which tells us this, that he has amazing power. In fact, the Bible even tells us that. He has amazing mighty power. The Bible says that when he came up against Satan disputing about the body of Moses, the Bible says he would not speak an accusation against the devil, but said the Lord rebuke thee. Now, we learn something here. I believe we have an example in Jude that we, what we just read, we have an example of how you and I are supposed to approach the supernatural realm as well. Right now as I speak, there's a a big emphasis right now in America. I I won't mention the preacher or preachers, but there's a big emphasis right now placed upon exorcisms and casting out demons. In fact, it's a... Uh, It's almost a, uh, man, what's the word I'm I'm looking for tonight? It's it's a big thing. In fact, there's a movie that just came out, a religious movie that just came out, and it's all about casting out demons and having power over the angelic realm. In fact, I watched a podcast this week, and they called it Demon Slayers. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, church. I don't know that that's real scriptural. Did you know that we are to approach the supernatural realm with great respect? Just as Michael did. Understanding that our only defense and our only power is in the Lord. Listen, don't ever get to the place where you feel like, man, I'm such a good Christian. Then I can go up against Satan any day of the week. <laughs> Friend, you better be careful. Pride goeth before a fall. Now, I want to show that. I want to show you some things tonight, and we'll see how far we get here tonight. Look at Luke chapter 10 tonight. Luke chapter 10 and verse 17. Remember the story where the Lord Jesus has called his disciples and he has sent them out two by two. Not only has he sent them out, but he's given them a certain amount of power. And so they've they, been away for a time and they've been ministering and they've been, uh, they, they'd been uh, busy in ministry. And they come back to the Lord in Luke chapter 10 and verse 17. Look there. The Bible says, And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan. As lightning fall from heaven. In other words, Satan did fall, fellas. That's, that's what, what I believe the Lord's teaching. Yes, Satan did fall, and yes, his power is limited. He said in verse 19: Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Look at verse 20. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice. Because your names are written in heaven. Now, I believe the Lord's giving these guys a big admonition here. And he's saying, guys, don't get too caught up in this power that you've been given. And especially don't rejoice. And isn't, this, isn't it amazing that the Lord specifically mentions the, uh, the, the exercising of spirits and the spirits are subject unto you? He said, don't rejoice in that. You rejoice because your names are written down in heaven. Now, again, I'm, this this all I'm teaching here tonight because there's a big craze. That's a good word. There's a big craze right now that's going on in America uh, in churches that, you know what, that we can just sort of, uh, just, you know, we, we've got amazing power over Satan and we've got amazing power over demons. And yes, 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 yes. Don't get me wrong. Don't, don't misconstrue what I'm saying. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And we know that God is in us and the spirit of God is in us. But I'm just saying this. Don't ever get to the place where you become careless and you think that you, you can just have your way over the demonic realm. Now you say, preacher, you got any scripture to back that up? I came with my gun loaded tonight. So I want to show you. Take your Bibles tonight and turn to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 19. And I want you to look at verse 10. And, church, honestly, I believe in Acts chapter 19. I believe we see an example of what's actually going on in our nation right now among some religious circles. Acts 19, verse 10. The Bible says, and this continued by the space of two years, so that all they which dwelt in Asia, this is an amazing statement, by the way, so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews Jews and Greeks. Look at verse 11. The Bible says, and God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. So God was using Paul in an amazing way here uh, in w- w- many miracles and part of that was exercising evil spirits out of certain people. But look at verse 13. Look what happens. The Bible says, then certain of the vagabond Jews. Now, what, what is that talking about? These were, it's believed, that these were what what's known as itinerant Jewish exorcists. You've heard about itinerant preacher. An itinerant preacher is a preacher that has an itinerary. He preaches away a lot. Uh, And so it's believed that these were itinerant Jewish exorcists. In other words, this is what they did. This is what they were popular in doing. Verse 13, then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcist, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. And there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew and a chief of the the priests. which did so, look at verse 15. Things didn't work out too good. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know. But who are ye? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus, and fear fell on all them, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. So again, uh, this is what we're saying. Satan is a created angelic being. He's created beautifully. He's created musically, and yes, he is created supernaturally. He is a cherubim. And so we have to be very, very careful and respectful how we, how we approach the angelic realm. Let me give you. Let me give you at least one more thought here tonight. How about this? Number two, Satan is not only a created angelic being, but number two, Satan is a corrupt angelic being. Did you know tonight that Satan rebelled against the Lord and was cast out of heaven? Now, someone says, "Preacher, why?" Satan was created as that covering cherub. He was was right hard by the throne of God. Other angels were not. Angels were used as messengers. Angels were used as servants. Cherubim were usually hard by the throne of God. And yet the Bible says that Satan was cast out. Somebody says, preacher, why was Satan cast out of heaven? Let me show you. Take your Bibles, turn back to the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel 28. And look at verse number 14 with me. Ezekiel 28 and verse number 14. I'm gonna go ahead and start reading while you're finding your place there. Ezekiel 28, verse 14. The Bible says, Thou art, speaking of Satan, Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore, I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, I will, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Look at verse 17. Here's the answer. Thine heart was what? Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. And God said, I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities. So Satan was cast out because of pride. Satan was a beautiful creature. He was a powerful creature. He was a cherubim or a cherub. And the Bible says at some point Satan got so lifted up in pride that he thought, you know what, man, I'm even greater than God. And I believe I can overthrow God and I can exalt my throne above God. And the Bible says that God cast him out because of his pride. We just read, just a moment ago, we just read Luke chapter 10, verse 18. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Turn over one last time uh, turn over to Revelation chapter 12, Revelation chapter 12, and look at verse number three. Again, I'm just giving you some scriptures that talk about, the, that talk about um, Satan being cast out of heaven. And so we find that in, in Ezekiel 28, we find it in Luke chapter number 10, we find it in Revelation chapter 12, and we do find it in another place that we'll go to in just a moment. Revelation chapter 12, we read this just a moment ago, and there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon. Now, the Bible tells us exactly who that dragon is later in the book of, uh, in, in the chapter 12. And, I, and behold, a great red dragon, a dragon having seven heads and 10 horns and seven crowns upon his head. Look at verse four. The Bible says, and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. And so it's believed that Satan convinced a third part of the angelic realm to follow him. And the Bible says that they were cast out because of their sinful pride. Now, here's a question for you. And I'm watching the clock. Here's a question. So how many believe Satan was cast out? Yeah, he was. The Bible's very clear about that. Here's a question. When? When was he cast out? So I was gonna take a lot of time tonight to, to talk to you about that, but I'm not gonna do that. uh, But if you want want to know what I believe, come to me tonight, and for $5, I'll tell you exactly what I believe tonight. (laughs) Truth matter is, I'm not teaching that tonight because we're not sure. We're really not sure. And uh, it could have been, it could have been prior to creation. That's what I believe. I believe it was. And I can tell you why I believe that. Some believe it could have been during the first six days of creation that he was cast out. And some believe that it could have taken place after the serpent tempted Eve, that he was cast out of heaven. So let me give you a couple things. We're going to go. Number one, I wrote this down. It does appear, it does appear that the angelic realm was created before the Genesis creation. All right? So take your Bibles and turn to the book of Job. Job chapter 38, by the way, this, this, this is just interesting stuff. And I, I, I felt like you'd want to know some of these things. So somebody says, Preacher, when were the angels created? Bible doesn't necessarily, necessarily talk about that in the, the six days of creation. Um, and actually, it does talk about it a little bit. But, uh, but we, we find a, a great truth here in Job chapter 38 God is having a conversation with Job and he's talking about when he created the earth. And he says in Job 38, verse one, and I love Job 38, it's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Listen to this conversation that God's having with Job. And he says in verse one, then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, who is this, speaking of Job, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? In other words, Job, you don't know what you're talking about. He says in verse number three, Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee, and answer thou me. And God says to Job in verse 4, where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare, if thou hast understanding. Boy, how'd you like to be in this conversation? And so he's saying, Job, where were you when I created things? Were, were you around? Were you watching me do it? Where wast thou when I laid the foundations? Declare if thou hast understanding. Verse five: Who who hath laid the measures thereof? If thou knowest, or who hath stretched forth or stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? In other words, Job: When I was creating all of what I was creating, he said, "Where were you?" And then he said in verse number seven: When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. And so if you study that out, it is definitely believed that when the Bible talks about those morning stars, they sang together, and the sons of God shouted for joy. That's a direct reference to the angelic realm. And so in other words, while God was doing all this, while God was creating the world, and while God was creating the earth, the angels were there. And they were rejoicing over all that God was doing. Number two, I wrote this down. When Satan and his angels were cast out of heaven, their abode became earthly atmosphere. Now, let me show that to you. Take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter two and verse two. So the angels, evidently, were a part of heaven, but they were cast out of heaven. Satan was cast out of heaven. And at that point, Point Their abode, where they reside, became the earthly atmosphere or space under heaven. The heavenlies, but not heaven. The heavenlies, yes, but not heaven. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 2 says it like this. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. Look at the next line. The Bible says according to the prince of the power of the, what's the word? The of the air. And it talks about the expanse. That's what that word means. The expanse around the earth. The atmosphere, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Turn over a page or two and look at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 11. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 11. The Bible says, listen, the Holy Spirit knows we're in a battle. And so look what he says, and he knows who our enemy is. And so it says in verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to to stand against the wiles of the devil. Look at verse 12. Interesting. The Bible says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against, uh, against spiritual wickedness. Look at the next three words. In what? In high places. Again, it's talking about the expanse around the earth. The air is what it's talking about. Now, we'll get in, Lord willing, next week, if the Lord allows us to do. We'll get into all of that. What is that, preacher? Principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness. What is that? We'll get into all that, Lord willing, next week. But I want but I just want you to understand something because I'm gonna end with one last one last point. When Satan was cast out, he became the prince and power of the air. Now I'm not gonna tell you I understand all of that. But in some way or another Satan and his angels are in control of the air. They're in control of that mission. They do have access to the earth. We know that according to the Gospels. They were able to feel men and demon-possessed men. But they're the prince and the power. They, they work in that, in that atmospheric region is where, they, is where they reside. Listen to this, though. If you're here tonight and you're not saved, you you might want to get saved. In fact, you do want to get saved. Because our Bible teaches this, that one of these days, the rapture of the church is going to take place and the church, those that are born again, are going to be called out. And at that point, the tribulation, something we call the tribulation period, is going to begin. The first three and a half will be like nothing the world has ever seen. The last three and a half, the earth will be in self-destruct Mode. You say, Preacher, how bad's it going to be? Let me show you. Satan and his angels, somehow or another, are residing in that atmospheric region around the earth. But when the tribulation period starts, that will change. And they will be cast, they've already been cast out of God's heaven. During the tribulation, they will be cast out of the heavenlies. And their prison house will become the ball that you're living on right now. Now take, we're done, but take your Bibles turn back to Revelation chapter 12. And whoa, look at this scripture. Revelation 12, verse 7. During the tribulation period, there's going to be a spiritual war that takes place. And look what happens. Revelation 12, verse 7, and there was war in heaven. Again, that's the heavenlies. Not necessarily God's heaven, but the heavenlies. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought, and his angels And prevailed not, neither was, look at this, neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon, Satan, was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceived the whole world, he was cast out, where's he gonna be cast out? And his what? And his angels, he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Now church, I'm gonna tell you something. As bad as it is right now, I cannot imagine what earth is going to be like then. But I can promise you this based upon the authority of the Word of God. The climate of earth during that time will be absolutely 100% demonic. It's not that way now. You say, preacher, it's terrible. Yeah, it is. You're right. It is terrible. But when Satan and those angels are imprisoned on this earth, friend, it's going to be like nothing the world's ever seen. And so if you're here tonight or you're watching by way of live stream and you don't know that you know that you know that you know that you know that that you're born again, I'm going to tell you what, I wouldn't waste time. I wouldn't wait for the preacher to pray. I'd run down the aisle. And say, Lord, I don't want to take any chances. Save me tonight. Save me. If you're here this evening and you've been battling and and everybody, you know, you say, well, preacher, everybody thinks I'm saved. And what are people going to say? And what are people going to think? Who cares what they say and who cares what they think? If you don't know for sure that you're born again, I'd get it settled tonight. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we thank you for this time we've had together tonight, Lord, in Bible study. I pray it's made sense. And Father, I pray that it is, uh, I pray that it's what you wanted. Father, I, I pray tonight that you would work in hearts. Father, if we've ever served Jesus, we better serve him now. Time's growing short. Lord, there's a terrible day coming. And I am so thankful. I am so thankful that over 41 years ago, your Holy Spirit convicted me of my need. Lord, you showed me how I was lost and undone and I was on my way to hell. Father, you showed me what Jesus did for me and how he died for me, bore my sins in an old rugged cross. He became my sin bearer. The wrath of God was poured upon him and there he bled and suffered and agonized and died that I might have life and have it more abundant. I'm so glad, Lord, that three days after being in that grave, he came out and he's alive today. Father, I'm just trying to say I'm thankful for the day that he touched me save my soul. Father, those that are here tonight who may not know, I pray tonight would be that night. Those that are watching by way of live stream who may not know, I pray tonight would be that night. Lord, I'm glad that when the trumpet sounds and you call the church away, I'm so thankful that I'm a part of that blood-washed throne and I'm going. So Father, have thy way in this invitation tonight. Speak to hearts. And Lord, we sure thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I'm going to do something I don't always do on a Wednesday night. I'm going to ask some of our personal workers if they'll just slip to the altar tonight. I just felt like there might be somebody here tonight that needs prayer. I just feel in my spirit, I just feel like there might be somebody here tonight that's battling with something or you've got a heavy burden. Or there's just something, maybe there's something going on at home or in your family. Maybe it's the job. But there's just something going on. And, and you just say, Pastor, I'm just i desperate for some prayer tonight. I just need some prayer. In just a moment, we're going to stand to our feet. And if that's you, hey, listen, why don't you come? If you're a lady, we'll have one of our lady, uh, lady workers come and pray with you but we want to pray with you tonight and just believe God. If you're here this evening and you say, Brother Pope, I don't know that I know that I'm saved and I'm going to heaven when I die. Listen, we want to invite you to slip out in the quietness of this moment and just come and we would like to take the word of God and show you how you can know that you're going to heaven when you die and you can miss what I preached about tonight. You can miss that demonic rain on the earth. You can miss all of that. And so I hope that you'll come tonight. Will you stand with us all around the house this evening? Father, thank you for your blessings. And thank you for the word of God. And Father, I pray that you'll bless in this invitation. Speak to hearts. Father, maybe there's somebody here tonight that's just really, really needing some prayer tonight about something, a burden, a problem, a valley they're going through and they just need somebody just to pray with them. I pray they'll come tonight. God, maybe somebody's watching my way of live stream and they just need somebody to reach out and help pray with them tonight. I pray they'll call right now. And Lord, let us pray with them over the phone lines. Lord, that one that needs to be saved. I pray tonight, Lord, they would come and let us let us help them this evening. So Lord, have your way, please. And we sure thank you. In Jesus' name, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I'm going to make my way to the main floor for just a moment as well. And if you're here tonight we can pray with you or if we can uh, talk to you about the Lord and how you can know that you know that you know you're going to heaven, listen, right now, right now, just step out and, and come and, and we want to talk to you tonight. We want to pray with you. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to make you get up and give a speech, nothing like that. We just want to pray with you tonight. So while we pause, just for a moment, you come tonight.